Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The following is a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. Time for the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradlogancote. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault, to the pavilion, to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. And welcome into the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Network. And excited to be with you in a chock-full episode of Ole Miss sports. And it's Ole Miss football because it is SEC Media Day. And Head Coach Lane Kiffin met with the media. We've got all of that for you here coming up in the second half of the show. Also, David Johnson sat down uh, with Grace Remington from 247 Sports, and it was a great interview. And we've got that complete interview for you, compliments of our good friends at uh, CBS and 247 Sports. And then Josh Pate uh, from 247 Sports has a couple of things to say about Ole Miss and Tulane. We'll have all of that for you as well. And we'll also take a look at what the media predicted in the SEC West and SEC East. And, uh, gosh, it's, it's it's here. It's football season is here. SEC Media Day is, is now behind us as everyone is excited for the opening game of the year against Mercer. Yeah, it's Mercer, but it's the first game of the year. And everybody will be ready to kick it off to start the college football season. We're grateful that you're along for the ride. It's been a, it's been a pretty fun last couple of years. I've really enjoyed the podcast, and you guys have have made it fun. And we're so grateful for our sponsors, Bet Online, Bet Online with the game starts, and our relationship with Debbie Johnson, our real estate agent. She can be yours today. Debbie Johnson does a great job all across the state of Mississippi and the South, and she's a member of the Kessinger Real Estate family. Debbie Johnson, our real estate agent here on the Believe It or Miss podcast. We'll get to head coach Lane Kiffin, David Johnson. We'll look at the standings of how the media has probably wrongly uh, picked how the uh, the teams of the SEC will finish. And then we'll also hear from Josh Pate as well. We appreciate you uh, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the Believe It or Miss podcast right here on the Believe Never. Remember, you can get this all across your podcast platform of choice. So uh, we just always ask that if you like what we're doing, just tell a friend. That's how we grow. Grassroots effort and uh, – it's been a whole lot of fun. Look forward to a very exciting season. Look forward to spending it with you right here on the Believe It On This podcast, a part of the Believe Network. 
Today's show is brought to you in part by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas Casino and Poker Games. It's really easy to get started. Just head on over to the website, use your mobile device, and sign up today. Use our promo code Believe50, B L E A V 50, and receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. But online where the game starts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Realtor Debbie Aldison Johnson. If you're looking for a spot in the Oxford area or quite frankly anywhere in Mississippi, that is your go-to. Remember, real estate industry since 2003, looking for that special ag property, maybe a recreational property, maybe a commercial real estate property or a new home. Uh, Debbie does a great job and can be your real estate agent today. Just contact her directly at 662-234-5555. Of course, that's a member of the Kessinger Real Estate family Estate.com and Debbie has been with them for quite a few years. If you need to get her directly, just dial her cell phone at 662-689-0090. Remember, your go-to for real estate, whether it be commercial, farm, or maybe you need that home. Maybe you need that second home in Oxford. You're looking maybe to relocate to Oxford. Part of the real estate family, the Kessinger Real Estate family. Debbie Johnson, your realtor, 662-234-5555. Or call her cell phone at 662-689-0090. Debbie Johnson and a proud sponsor here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. It is a place which exerts an extraordinary pull on all who have walked its hallowed ground. Thousands come each year, and yet no one ever really leaves. Ole Miss is for life. A major university with the familiar intimacy of family. Friendships that are more than friendships. Moments that are more than moments. An autumn celebration on a Saturday afternoon in the Grove. Contests waged and triumphs savored. With our largest freshman class, soaring Honors College, national reputation for academics and research, our pride is overflowing. Today, more than ever, for all who have ever called this magical place home, you never leave Ole Miss. Hi, this is Brad Logan. The Grove Collective's mission is to support, elevate, and protect the well-being of all our student-athletes through a wide range of NIL opportunities and initiatives at Ole Miss. The Collective was established to deliver a best-in-class NIL experience that is worthy of the student-athletes who give their all for Ole Miss. This consolidated and sustainable model provides premium access and experiences between our members, corporate partners, and our athletes. To support all Ole Miss athletes and their NIL platforms, visit thegrovecollective.com. That's the GroveCollective.com. Join our team. Become a member today. Welcome back to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Want to be a part of the program? Just email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Whether it's touchdown Ole Miss or showers and right, it's all Ole Miss all the time. And now back to the show. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, 
All right, so we're going into our fourth year here at Ole Miss, um, which has been a very exciting offseason for us. You know, really grateful to um, Keith Carter, athletic director, our chancellor, uh, Boyce, for um, keeping us here and believing in what we're building here and our Ox and our Ole Miss fans in the city of Oxford it has been awesome. So excited for this fourth year coming up. You know, to recap, we, we were on a really good run. Um, I'm not going to say a great run because we have extremely high standards, but, you know, coming off the 10-3 and three season and really last year we were 8-1 and one, and with the ball in our hands uh, to go down, I want to say the 14-yard line, first and 10, um, with a chance to beat Alabama, uh, to have a great home win and go to 9-1. and one. And so that was a really good run uh, for a season and uh, nine games there. And then I didn't do a very good job at the end of the year of keeping our team together. I think not as an excuse, but I set it up here a year ago, you know, the challenge is when you have such a roster overhaul and so portal heavy. And I've said I've always been concerned about culture issues when you do that because you don't have kids that have been there very long. So, um, and I said one of those challenges, even if you look at the NBA when they put together these good free agent teams, is if seasons don't go great, it's very hard to keep keep everybody playing at a high level because the expectations were so high. So I think down the down the stretch there, um, after the Alabama game, um, I didn't do a good enough job of finding a way to keep our guys playing at a high level because we did not play to our standards at the end of the season. So excited about this season coming up. There's been a ton of change. You know, 40 new scholarship players kind of the world that we live in. I think everybody's experiencing that more than ever on their roster. Um, and I think every place has their own plan and every place does things differently. I would think, I have to speak for myself, based off of what you need to do at that place to win. There's not this blueprint that's everywhere uh, that would be the same everywhere, in my opinion, um, because you got to figure out high school kids, junior college kids and then portal kids um, and where your numbers go there and you know with the relief from the 25 initial scholarship counters every year uh, that gets more creative of how you can put your roster together for those who are not familiar before there used to be a cap there so you could not have these massive roster changes that you've seen at some places around the country <clears throat> also Pete Golding coming in on defense we're really excited about that change and um, what he brings to bring him over from Alabama. I've had known Pete and people that worked with him a long time. Um, he's ahead of the game, very intelligent, really great recruiter as well. So there's some transition there with a lot of new coaches and a ton of new players um, and, and some that missed spring like Cedric Johnson, who's here today, missed the spring. So this fall will be really important for us in all areas, but especially on defense, of putting all that together um, to play good defense. <clears throat> you know, some topics here that are out there, and, you know, so I'm going to address the portal NIL. Um, 
what I kind of call disaster that we're in. And so I know that question is going to come. And the reason why I break that down usually is because I do afterwards get a lot of feedback from you guys in the media um, or fans that they're appreciative, you know, of a coach that really addresses where it's at and what are the challenges with it. So, um, First off, I've always said I think it's phenomenal that players get a chance to get paid, um, which is great. I do think, which I've stood up here and said before when it first happened, that there's going to be some major issues, and we're creating free agency um, with the portal. And with NIL, um, you've got a lot of pay-for-play going on, and that is what it is. So... You know, those two things combining, there just is not a, a system uh, in place. And I don't think that there's any other sports at any level uh, that are like this, that really you every year can opt into free agency, really twice a year. And, I mean, I was just thinking on a plane ride over here. What if you had that in other sports? You know, Tom Brady, Asia Wilson, Lionel Messi, LeBron James. What if every year those guys can opt into free agency twice a year, really, and they got no long-term contracts. Basically, everybody's not even on a one-month contract because they can leave in two windows. So um, it's just created a lot of issues, and these roster changes, and I'm not complaining about it because we take advantage, obviously, of, of free agency. But at the same time, I don't think that's really good for college football. These massive overhauls of rosters every year um, – really is not in the best interest of college football. And then when you add the NIL at the same time, you know, we've created, I've said it before, we got different caps and no luxury taxes. So now we got professional sports because that really is what we are, um, what's been created now. And there's no caps on what guys can make or what teams payrolls are so when this first came out said all right basically whatever programs have the most aggressive boosters with the most money are going to get the players and now we're adding some states that now you don't have to follow ncaa and now the university can take their money and give it to the collective to give to the players so now we really have pay-for-play that the biggest schools with the most donors, most aggressive, and the school wants to spend the most money paying the players for for play to come to their school is where we're at. So there's kind of your state of the union on the situation of what all coaches are dealing with around the country um, and really a, a poor system that, that isn't getting better now is going to get worse with this because, again, now we just <clears> – <throat> look at recruiting rankings and you're going to see that they usually are going to follow this, you know, donor base and what schools are going to decide to give the most money to the players. So is what it is. We'll deal with it like we do with everything else, but somehow it's got to get fixed um, because there's no system around it. So, you know, we did a really neat thing this off season with mental health training for our staff. Myself, our coaches, staff, everyone in our building uh, went through a class. And I know at first it may think, well, people may think, okay, well, that's a good recruiting tool that you can say, hey, which I didn't even know at the time. We're the first 
staff to do this, you know, that's trained in mental health, and um, be able to say that to parents in recruiting. That was not the motive at all. It really, when I talk about, you know, creating a new box, not just thinking outside the box, and we do that in analytics, we do that in all areas, I feel like, in our program. We don't ever do anything because it's in that old book of how to coach and how to do things. In this mental health area, it really was not in that old school coaching book at all. You know, it was just, hey, shut up and go practice and play, especially in the sport of football. So um, just over the years of going through so many mental health issues with our players and coaches and not having tools and not having a really good system in place um, besides just sending them, you know, across campus, um, you know, to, to a mental health specialist. So I was excited to do that and just excited for the education with that and the ability to see things and help our players um, is really neat because they just go through so much. Players always have, but now because of the social media and every play, um, everywhere, everybody's seen every play, our players go through a lot. I mean... I remember their kids, and they read all those things when fans or media say this play, and they lost the game, and um, it, it's really challenging when you talk to the kids about how much that wears on them, um, as well as all the other issues they have to deal with. So that was pretty neat, and with that, I'll open up for questions. Jake Thompson, the Ole Miss Spirit, uh, laying the penalties and the end of the Tennessee kind of investigation with all that came out this past week. Obviously, your history with that program and other programs that kind of going through those penalties, just your thoughts on, on that overall. Well, that didn't take long. Um, I got a lot of thoughts on that case and the case at USC and the case at Tennessee and the penalties and all that. I'm not really going to get into that. Um, we're here to talk about the Ole Miss team. You know, happy for Coach Heupel. I read where he was ecstatic about the penalties and the $8 million fine. So that kind of probably tells you about how severe the penalties are in their eyes. So um, I'm happy for them that they don't have to go through what we went through. Um, so good for them. Coach, we'll go into the middle second, just to your right, second row. Lane, hey, Joe Goodman, AL.com. I appreciated your candor on NAL. Um, you're the czar of college football. I, how do you fix it? And that's the natural follow-up to your State of the Union. Yeah, I don't like, you know, it's like I tell our staff, I don't like you to tell me the problems but not the solution. So um, I feel like that in this one, um, that I don't have the exact solution because it is so complicated and the commissioner who's much more educated than I on these things because I used to say they should be employees so they can have real contracts so when you come you know you can sign somebody to a two three four year contract you know and um, but th there's way more issues you know that solves one problem I think you said but then it opens up five ten more when they're actually employees of a university so um, I don't have the exact answers I've always said when asked to shorten the windows um, so at least we know what your roster is and, and you know, 
not so not so many chances for players because really I mean I don't I like I said I like the players get paid but you don't there's no other system like it like the player I, I've told our players I've told our our parents of our significant players like it is a great time to be a kid or a parent okay with where college football is I'm like they'll probably eventually fix this so you will be this one window of a couple years where you literally can leverage your program every window and or you can go into you can go into free agency and find the most money out there and now we're seeing you really get paid three times if you want to you can get paid coming out of high school you can one-time transfer go in get the most money get paid again then you can grad transfer and get paid again so eventually you're not going to be able to do that, I would think, um, and have that leverage basically every semester to do that. So uh, I've told them it's an awesome time for them. Coach, we'll stay in the same section over on the right-hand side, right aisle, second row. Hey, Lane, Andy Wittry with On3. The Grove Collective is one of the seven that's formed a collective association, and they plan on introducing a revenue-sharing bill, or a model, rather. So similar to the last question, what are your thoughts on potential revenue-sharing in the future? Okay, that mic went a little bit in and out there. Can you repeat that? Yeah, the collective at Ole Miss is one of seven that has formed a collective association, and they plan to introduce a revenue-sharing model in the near future. What are your thoughts on a potential revenue-sharing model for college football players? Yeah, I mean, I think they're, again, almost like everything on this subject, there's good and bad to everything that comes in. Um, I, I think that revenue-sharing, you know, on the surface would be great because players are getting paid and it's coming from the money they're helping make the university but again I kind of try to think things through and the other things that happen when you do something just like when everybody was like oh we got this NIL it's great and um, you know in this portal it's great oh whoa like and I'm not saying I was the only one saying I'm like whoa this is a disaster coming because you just legalized cheating and you just told but donors they can pay the players that's what you did and then you know it's supposed to be set up well it's really for your name image likeness for your marketing again that's not what happened that's not what's happening they, they're getting paid to go to school so it's paid for play so the revenue sharing sounds really good and but then they're like okay well we're going to revenue share and then that's all they get and i said okay well wait but then they're still going to have NIL, which really isn't NIL for probably 99% of the kids. They're not really getting the money for their marketing rights. So then revenue sharing would be good, but then you're still going to have this. So they say well, revenue sharing would make it an equal playing field, which is what Instagram always wants to do, make things equal playing field. Well, obviously, is what we described, with no salary cap and everybody operating off of different budgets. That's not anywhere close. So I don't know that that fixes it. It sounds good, but then you're still going to have, here's your revenue sharing pot that everybody's the same, but then here you're still going to have all this other money that donors can go give players or the way it is now. In some states, the school just funnels the money to the players. Coach, we'll go over here to our left on the near aisle. 
Good morning, Coach. Johnny Ballpark Franks with Franks Media here in Nashville and Huntsville. You know, for decades, head coaches have been reminding players don't do anything to embarrass themselves, their family, teammates, and the university. Now in this new college football world that we see with NIL, the transfer portal, how much more difficult is it, is it for a head coach to get that message across, not just to the student athletes, but also to staff members as well? Well, I think that's always challenging. I think the challenge now is everything they do is public, you know, so um, anything they do that may be years ago because the cell phone videos and everything, um, you know, didn't get out there, that basically you've got to figure that someone's watching in everything you do all the time. So it is more challenging for these guys. That is a great thing. Um, you know, one of the few things that are great about cell phones um, is that actually because now the players are held more accountable in everything that they do. So in that way, it's, it's gotten easier. Coach, we'll go straight in front of you, fourth row. Hey, Coach, Onmore Richardson from orangebloods.com. Coach, you and Steve Sarkeesian are obviously really good friends. I want to see if you can tell me maybe how uh, that friendship formed, if you have any good Lane Kiffin stories about that friendship, and, of course, your thoughts on uh, Texas joining the SEC. Well, it's Texas-Oklahoma. I'll go backwards there. Texas-Oklahoma coming in is amazing. I mean, um, I already look at our schedule or, like, when they put out – the one for 2024, and I, and I actually joked to Steve Sarkeesian yesterday about the scheduling, and I was like, well, I don't know why any coach would want to go to the NFL. Like, we're in it now. So, I mean, our schedule's like playing the NFL um, in the SEC now, especially adding those two. So, um, you know, hats off the commissioner for getting that done and making the super conference of all time. And really the way it's set up it's really like it's kind of everybody else and then that um you know when you put together the competitiveness of the schedule compared to any other conference um i've had a great relationship with sark um i've kind of said before we kind of go both grew up fast uh by being the usc experience and being part of coach carroll's staff and all the great players there and you know i think 34 straight wins and if we can tackle Vince Young, you know, three straight national championships. So that was really cool um, to go through that with him. And then um, we've just always stayed close. I think he's doing awesome there. And, you know, the way he's flipped the roster and recruiting um, at such a high level and signing Arch, um, I think the, the future is extremely bright for Texas football. Coach, we'll go to this middle section to our right on the front row on the right out. Coach Dan Harrelson, Volswire. Uh, Brian Kelly mentioned this week about artificial intelligence having intriguing opportunities in recruiting in the future. What is your opinion on that? And really just not recruiting, like you said, the transfer portal to, to keep forming a roster each offseason to find the best players that, that match matches what you want to look for on the recruiting trail and in the portal. Well, I'm the first to say up here, like, when I know a lot about an area, I'm going to answer if I don't, I don't. So the artificial intelligence and using that and recruiting, I don't know about all that. So um, I can give you coach speak and pretend that I do. <laughs> um, so, but the, the other part, what was the other part about? 
Just the four-may roster, um, based off the model of a player that you're actually looking for. Yeah, so the challenge on the roster um, is because of the different windows that you don't know what you have, you don't know what you're losing. You know, I mean, think about it this way. Imagine in professional sports, really, I'm going to give you another window because grad transfers can still leave. They can leave in training camp. So imagine, like, in professional sports, which, again, we are, so as far as it is with players, that you're coaching a player in camp and then they go, you know what, I don't like the way you're coaching me. I've graduated, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go play for another team. Um, you know, and teams know that. I mean, people pre-portal. And, um, you know, they know who's who's going in. They know who's graduated. So you're really dealing with that, too. And that messes kids up. I say, like, it's really challenging for a kid. He's working out with his team in the offseason, but then other schools are calling him about going there and him being fully invested when, hey, the strength coach yells at me or I don't like this, where I am on the depth chart and I can, go, I can go, I can leave. You know, that's not really a good setup, and there's a reason. I feel like in college sports, we usually always look at professional sports as like, okay, let's learn. They're usually ahead of us. You know, when it comes to systems and rules of the play, you know, um, on game day. So we usually copy them. And in this situation, it's like they have this model that works about free agency windows, about long-term contracts. Um, Again, like I said, look at all those great players. They just leave at any time during training camp. And for whatever reason, our model is not at all near theirs. So it's it's very difficult. And um, and you got dynamics in locker rooms too. Again, these players talk; they know what players get paid. And you got dynamics around the country. Well, wait, I've been here, I've made these plays, and that guy just got here, and he's going to make more money than me. So, <clears throat> again, not a good setup. Coach, we'll go right in front of you, third row, Kirk. Uh, Kirk Bowles from the Austin American Statesman. Uh, you mentioned boosters and the most aggressive and richest boosters will get the players. Where does Ole Miss boosters rank, uh, relatively speaking, in the SEC? And could you name two or three of your most impactful transfers you got? Well, I'm not about to start putting rankings out on boosters <laughs> <laughs> from top to bottom in the conference. Um, God, I want to so bad, though. <laughs> the commissioner said, remember, we've grown a lot, and you don't have to respond to every question, you know, to show everybody you have the answer. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that on this situation. Um, but like I said kind of before, you want to look at the best, the best booster that's in the country, and eventually the, best, the schools that have the most money that decide to pay the players the most, just look at recruiting rankings next few years and that'll give you your answer because again it is what it is guys and you can't fault them you had 18 year old kids deciding where to go the number one thing they decide on is money their salary i mean i think you guys would have done that when you're 18 so i mean you can't fault them why you see some kids going why is that kid going way over there well you're going there because you're making more money so um you can't fault them for that. That's the setup that they're in. Um, we have so many transfers coming in, so many different spots. It would be hard to single guys out. Um, so 
just is what it is nowadays. I mean, we look out there and there's times that, you know, we joke and we like pause the film and go like, okay, well, there's, you know, we're like still learning names, but we know schools. We're like, well, there's there's a receiver from that school. There's a tight end from that. There's a receiver from that. The quarterbacks, USC, you know, the running backs, SMU, like, and you end up going like, wait, our whole skill roster <laughs> was from some other school. Like, like we're an NFL team. Like we drafted them from somewhere. And we have time for two quick ones. We'll start over here on the right front row. There you go. Evelyn Van Pelt with the Rebel Walk. Um, you talked about it just a minute ago with the NIL and the locker room. How do you handle any kind of potential dissension? Because you're right, the players do know he makes this much and I make this much. Yeah, the question is about handling the locker room um, with the NIL issues and the players getting paid different, you know. And I, I, I try to teach our guys like real life and you know we say like pro mindset like we have a pro mindset about how we run the program with guys and our expectations so i get it because they come in complaining you know i've been here you know i transferred here and now this guy we we hear this guy's gonna make more money than me and i said you know what i'm not saying it's fair but get ready that's life that's gonna happen you're gonna be in the nfl locker room and you signed a contract and this new guy or you got drafted in the fourth round and this new guy coming in you're playing ahead of him and he makes more money than you and sorry to say I mean you want the real truth like I give him it depends when you went in you know guys make more now than when they went in the portal a year or two ago and then they used up their one-time transfer so I'm like hey I'm just teaching you how life works like it is what it is you know you used your window you don't have the leverage now to go in, you know, until you graduate because you can't go in a second time. So there's the truth of what really happens. And but I teach them, hey, you basically signed a contract, even though you don't have a real contract. Like you're here to play. You accepted whatever the terms are that you and the collective did. So go play and then figure it out after the season. You know, my dad used to say that to coaches in his first meeting of the year. Hey guys, quit worrying about your contracts or what. You, whatever you sign, it is what it is. Let's get together. Let's play really well. Let's coach really well, and then worry about that in the off season. So, that's what I tell them now. The best way you make more money is to play really well. Coach, we'll take one final question right in front of me, second row. Uh, yes, Coach uh, Kiffin, Drew DeArmond, WZZN Radio, Huntsville, Alabama. I remember vividly seeing a picture of you sitting in the stands at Pike Road High School watching Quinchon Judkins. You had T.J. Yeldon, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Damian Harris. What did you see in Quinchon that you thought was special, and how much better can he get? Well, Quinchon is really special. I mean, think about what he did as a freshman, you know, um, to come in and have that workload. I think he led the SEC in carries and yards and touchdowns as a freshman so and like any freshman you can get a lot better in year two you know we're able to get Kevin Smith uh, coach back from Miami that's been with us before and so I think that that's really um, beneficial for him to have him as someone that's also was a great college player that's gone through all this hype and that comes with it you know because that's his biggest challenge is his footwork and his pass protection even though he's really mature and a great kid. Guys, these kids are young, and now they're getting all that attention around the country. They're the best player, all the rat poison from your coach. And now they now they got money. So now it's kind of like, whoa, you talk about ego coming in. 
I mean, so this is a lot of challenges on these kids. Again, it's great they get paid, but here's a whole new set of challenge because a big motivation for a lot of players is to get to the NFL to get money. Well, now they already have money. So there's a lot of challenges in here in dealing with, with ego, which is really dangerous. And that was Ole Miss head coach Lenny Kiffin from SEC Media Dates in Nashville. A lot of content there. A lot of talk about the transfer portal and about NIL. And that is something that, uh, I'll be honest, Coach Lane Kiffin has been at the forefront of both those things since he's been the head coach here at Ole Miss. Now, turn the page a little bit. David Johnson of Inside the Rebels and 247sports.com joins Grace Remington, also of 247sports.com, in Nashville. And they had a great conversation talking about the quarterback, talking about recruiting, talking about the transfer portal. And David does a fantastic job over at Rebs247.com. Uh, you can be a part of that community. It's a great community. Recruiting, game stories, Tyler Comas, Jared Redding, those two guys do a great job as well. Did a great job from SEC Media Days. Here's David Johnson with Grace Remington of 24-7 Sports and about Ole Miss football. Technically, I don't know if they know who the starting quarterback is. Maybe they do, and we're the ones who don't officially know. But Ole Miss has one of the best quarterback rooms in the SEC. They're Mm -hmm. calling it a three-way quarterback battle between returning starter Jackson Dart, the OK State transfer Spencer Sanders, and LSU transfer Walker Howard. So how do you think this thing shakes out? Yeah, I'll go back to spring practice, and I never saw Jackson Dart take a rep with anything other than the first-team offense. And... What I saw out of Dart was a maturation process that he's more comfortable in, in his skin, if you will, in terms of running the Rebel offense. Uh, Spencer Sanders showed up to Oxford with a, with a lingering shoulder injury. And you could tell during spring practice, as a matter of fact, he was limited some weeks as to how many times he could even throw the football. Walker Howard is pretty much deemed the quarterback of the future. Um, when that future arrives, uh, some people might think it might be this fall. I'm not one of them. I think that Jackson Dart is going to be the Ole Miss starting quarterback, uh, hands down. And, uh, you know, you're right when you say it's one of the most talented quarterback rooms in the SEC. But um, Jackson Dart threw for almost 3,000 yards last year, 20 yeah. touchdown passes. Um, was he missing something? Yeah, probably so from an experience factor. But it looks like he gained that, and I expect Jackson Dart to be the guy throwing the football to Zachary Franklin and Trey Harris. Kiffin, the self-proclaimed portal king, he brings in the sixth best class of 2023 transfer portal cycle with 25 commits and two pieces he's really excited about are the four-star wide receivers, Zachary Franklin, who at the time of his signing was the top player available, and then Trey Harris, what do you think they bring to the Rebs' passing attack? Well, yeah, Grace, it, it, it's kind of simple. They've got to bring those stats that Franklin put up at UTSA and that Harris put up at Louisiana Tech. Um, they need to be 1,000-yard caliber receivers. And, you know, that that's going to open up the entire Ole Miss offense if they prove to be reliable targets for Jackson Dart. Um, you know, you have Quinshawn Judkins in the backfield, which you've already mentioned, and he's a Heisman Trophy contender going into the season, uh, but it's going to take a balanced attack from Ole Miss for Judkins to reach his full potential, and that's up to Zachary Franklin and Trey Harris. Uh, it's kind of simple, and you're at a school now that has become accustomed to producing those big-time NFL 
type wide receivers. You can go back to Dante Moncrief, Laquan Treadwell, uh, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Elijah Moore, uh, who are going to be the next guys to step up and into that role. Both of these guys put up those kind of numbers at their previous schools. They're going to have to prove that they're the talent that can do it in the SEC. So let's look ahead uh, to the 2024 recruiting class. As it stands right now, it ranks 26 with 17 commits, but there's a couple recruits on the rival side of the state who are on flip watch. Who should we be looking out for? Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and you know, I'll say this again. Congrats to Mississippi State for <laughs> getting J.J. Harrell and Jimothy Lewis. Harrell being the outstanding wide receiver out of North Panola, Mississippi High School. Jimothy Lewis out of IMG Academy, but a Mississippi kid who transferred there. So both of those kids commit kind of surprisingly to Mississippi State last month. Will they stay committed? I don't know, but I do know Ole Miss is full speed ahead on the recruitment of both of those guys. And, you know, it's a long way until December. And Mm -hmm. personally, I'm going to be very tuned in to what happens with these two kids in particular. And that was David Johnson along with Grace Remington from 24-7 Sports talking about Ole Miss football. A lot of great content there from David, uh, his entire crew between he, Jared, and Tyler. Do a great job at Inside the Rebels and Rebs247.com. Finish it up here today with Josh Pay. Josh has a couple of interesting tidbits. What I really like to hear is his takes on college football. He does a great job at 24-7 Sports. And he's got a really interesting take about the Ole Miss Tulane game being a hinge game for the world of college football. Here's Josh Pate, at Late Kick Josh on Twitter. And here's what he thinks about the Ole Miss and Tulane football game. G5 Josh is here to let you know that Tulane, out of all the G5 programs, has the highest preseason win total in all of college football. Yay! And they've got one Power 5 opponent on their schedule. And a sweet logo in that order. And it's Ole Miss. Ole Miss comes in there in week two. You heard me right. Ole Miss goes to Tulane in week two. What's going to happen that afternoon is a massive, massive hinge moment for college football. Because if you're trying to find that G5 team to be your playoff buster this year, it can't be UCF. They're not there anymore. Can't be Houston. Can't be Cincinnati. It can't be some of the old reliable go-tos. They're not there anymore. So what are you left with? Well, you're left with Programs like Tulane. Tulane, most recently noted for going 2-10 one year and 12-2 the next year. Most recently noted for beating USC in the Cotton Bowl. It's the only Power 5 opponent on their schedule, this Week 2 game against Ole Miss. So it'll be whatever a Super Bowl atmosphere is down there, be a Super Bowl atmosphere. Uh, they needed a springboard year, too. So if you remember Cincinnati when they made the playoff a couple of years ago, not only did they have a good enough year that year, but they were already on everyone's radar because of the previous year. And so that's normally what it takes for the G5. And it's no different with Tulane. They popped on everyone's radar last year, so people will take them seriously enough this year where if they beat Ole Miss, they make a statement against them, and then they run the table and some other things fall their way, which is the way it should be if you only play one Power 5 team, they could make the playoff. Ole Miss, if they were to lose that game, their remaining schedule. Colin, do we have that, by the way? Because I did not even write it down irresponsible I know uh, the old Miss schedule you know it, it they got to play in the SEC West so if they if they start one and one they got Georgia Tech the next week and then they go to Bama they got LSU 
They got Arkansas. They go to Auburn. They got A&M at Georgia at Mississippi State. It's just brutal. And so I would recommend, I don't know if Lane Kiffin's watching tonight, I would recommend just going ahead and winning the game. If they do win that game, you have greatly reduced the likelihood that you have a G5 team in the mix come season's end. Dan, that was Josh Pate of 24-7 Sports. Does a great job covering college football. He's at Late Kick Josh on Twitter. And we've talked about it, that trip for Ole Miss down to Tulane. He calls it a hinge game for the world of college football, simply because of, just like he said, not a lot of G5 teams available to bust through the door. Tulane could be one of those teams. We appreciate you being part of the Believe in Ole Miss podcast right here on the Believe Network. We'll have plenty of content coming for you. Uh, Post-SEC Media Days, we'll get into fall camp. Uh, So many things going on as the Manning Center is about ready to be open back up after all of the renovations, and I know everybody's incredibly excited to see what it's going to look like. That means college football, as we've said, all show long, right around the corner as fall camp is about ready to get started. We appreciate you being part of the Believe in Miss podcast. If you have a question for us at all, just drop us a line on Twitter at BradLoganCOTE. Be sure and follow us there, and also at Believe Network. Thanks, everybody, once again. Tell a friend, and thanks again for being a part of the Believe It or Miss podcast right here on the Believe Network. been listening to the believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host Brad Logan download the show on Apple podcasts Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts please subscribe rate and leave a review online be sure and check us out on Twitter at Brad Logan C-O-T-E and at believe podcasts as well as Facebook Brad Logan media from the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field. It's all Ole Miss all the time. This has been the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.